tonight, I want you to take a moment, open up your Bibles to John, the book of John. John chapter 4, you can Google it, you can turn it on, you can do what you got to do with it, but let's get there, let's take a moment and get there. John chapter 4, and we're going to be starting in verse 43. We're going to read a little bit of scripture tonight, um, but enough to give you some context, enough for you to um, understand what's going on. And tonight, I want to just take you on a journey. I want you to, as we begin to read the text, or even if you start looking at it, here's what I would like you to do. I'd like you to put yourself in it. Take a minute. Like, connect with the character. Connect with the individuals. Connect with the, the real-life people. Because when we talk about the Bible and when we're reading the Bible, we are talking about real-life people. We are talking about people that lived, people that moved, people that had emotions, people that had a whole spectrum of life going on. So often, I think it's so easy for us to take a situation and think that's the only thing going on in someone's life. We don't necessarily take the holistic approach. So tonight, I want to I want to stretch you. I want to stretch you in your empathy. I want to stretch you in your compassion. I want to um, stretch you in your ability to to connect with individuals, and even more so as you connect with the individual, you begin to connect with the text. So John chapter four, starting at verse 43, it says, after the two days, he left for Galilee. That is the, he is Jesus. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in, in Galilee when he turned into the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son laid sick at Capernaum. When the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. Now take note of this. You can underline this, highlight this, whatever you've got to do. It says, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, the servants met him with, a, with the news that the boy was living. When, when the man acquired, as in the time when the son got better, he said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. I want to ask you a question tonight. I want to ask you a really personal question. Have you ever had to walk in the agony of the unknown? That sounds like a little, little heavy of a question. Have you ever had to walk in the agony of the unknown? Not knowing what's about to happen and, and not knowing what is, is going on and, and maybe not having a comprehension of, of what tomorrow will bring. Not even having a comprehension of what the next minute or the next two minutes are, are going to be, uh, to be. Do you Have you ever walked in the agony of the unknown? Going through the day as if everything is normal but inside everything is but normal. That agony of just walking around and, and people seeing you, but inside there is a heaviness that cannot be explained. 
It's a heaviness that, that makes you want to scream. It is a heaviness that makes you want to cry. It is a heaviness that makes you want to, to combust in, in just a moment. It's not knowing how life is going to progress and continue, yet standing there as if everything was going just as planned. Have you ever had to live in the agony of the unknown? You see, I think if we're all honest in some capacity, we've all experienced it in some setting. The agony of, of not knowing what's to come, yet having to stand there and act as if everything is normal. It is in this place that I think we finally get to meet the main character of this text, or at least tonight's character of the text. You see, the man that we're talking about is a royal official. You see, that's a very pompous and very pious uh, position to, to hold. He is, he is there as a, a servant to the king. He is there as a statesman on behalf of Herod Antipas. How prestigious. How great. I'm sure he has a uniform. I'm sure there's ways to distinguish him as he as he walks around. This is not just a a social um, pop, like this is not just a social position, but this is also holds some sort of political position as well. I'm sure that as he walked down the street, the people knew who he was, or at least had some sort of frame of reference as to how he was living, what his purpose was, and had this projection that everything was perfect. Those that were above him understood who he was and, and had expectations of him. And those that below him never could believe that they, he would go through anything that was related to anything that they could go through. This man was living his life in the, the constructs of living with social piety. But here's what I love. I love that the text gives us a little bit of indication of what's happening in this household. You see, what the text implies is that this man did not live down the street from what he was doing. This, we, what we do get to, to notice is that, that this man was, had an obligation to, to Herod, and yet he had this issue at home. He was a, a statesman, but yet he was also a family man. And what's going on in his house is that his son is dying. His son is so sick and he is dying. Can you take a minute, imagine the emotions of that. We've all been there. I think we can all connect with this, this man, that, that this man had prestige, this man had position, this man had authority and people looked at him and believed because of what he was doing, everything was great. Because he was a worship leader on the team, because he was a, a core member of the youth group, because he was in this club and that club, because he was leading a marching band, because he was because he was doing what he was doing, everybody thought everything in his life was perfectly okay. Yet he had to walk around with the weight of the unknown. The weight of if his son was going to live or die. Imagine the heaviness of that. And where we meet this man 
is that I'm, I'm sure like he, he got up just like anybody else. I'm sure he got up and, and was, was getting ready for work. He was getting ready to do whatever he was meant to do in life. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. But also he knew that the second he left his house, there was definitely this experience of I am going here. And that means it is taking away from maybe the last moments that I will ever have with my son. Can you imagine the tension of going, this is my responsibility, yet this is my reality. This is my responsibility, but in order to honor the responsibility that's on my life, here I am missing out on, on the last moments of the biggest grief that this man probably may ever go through in his entire life. And somewhere in the midst of this, this man hears about Jesus. Jesus is coming to town, and Jesus is not coming close to town. Jesus is coming a full 20 miles away from where this man was at. Now, what, what did he believe? When, was this the first time he ever heard about Jesus? Was this the first time that Jesus ever went on his radar? He is hearing that, that this man is healing people. He hears that, that this man named Jesus is proclaiming a kingdom that is coming. He is, he is hearing that there are people that are, that are caught in sin, that are now being restored to whole life. This man is hearing stories about a coming Messiah, and now he has to make a decision. Of what is he going to do with this information? Is he going to leave his son in hopes that this man is who he says he is? Or will he stay and grieve and be a part of the last moments? And you see, I would, I would like to venture that, that most of what I thought about this text was the, the walk back home. But what was really important, just as important as the walk back home was the walk there, maybe even more so. This man decides to leave his family, kisses his wife goodbye, and he kisses his son goodbye. Not knowing if that goodbye was forever, if that goodbye was momentary. With the belief and hope that as he travels and as he journeys 20 miles, that this man is who he says he is. That this man that everybody is proclaiming is healing is actually healing people. You know, the, the government officials that are around him that are saying that there is a guy that is raising up against Rome, the very man he is having to go and have faith that what he is going to journey for is he is going to happen. And what I want you to do is I want you to put a connection in your mind because so many of us forget about the journey to, we are more worried about the journey from, that we forget about the journey to is that there becomes an element of faith within us in order for us to go, this is what my reality is, but this is who I hear Jesus is. And we have to to walk that road in order to get to Jesus. And I would like to challenge you that, that this man didn't go on his own accord. Before this man ever heard about Jesus, Jesus heard about this, this royal official. I want to challenge you that, that before this man ever laid eyes on Jesus, Jesus was already at work in his life. 
So often we think our journey to Jesus is, is all of in our own sufficiency, all in our own ability. But this is a luring, this is a divine moment. And for, for this man, he didn't understand, this didn't make sense to leave his family in their hour of need and their time of need to go and journey and go meet someone that may be who they may not be. But Jesus knew exactly who he was and was luring him to that. Now imagine that journey for him, 20 miles. Get to here to almost Anderson. Get here to beyond Royston. What a long walk. Every step that he's taking, he's taking a step further from his son. Every step he takes is a step closer to Jesus, but that also means it is a step away from what his reality is. Now put yourself in his shoes. What would you be thinking? Maybe you're perfect. Like, oh, Jesus is exactly worth it. Jesus, this is it. A hundred percent, not a shadow of a doubt. But if you're anything like me, you go, oh, no, I, mm, I don't know. You're like, is this really worth it? You're walking. You're like, oh, should I turn around? I'm going to turn around. I'm not going to go to Jesus. I'm going to turn around. It may not be true. All those, those, all those stories of healing, all the things that he's proclaiming could just be a falsality of, of reality of life. It's just a falsality of what he proclaims to be. And here I am doing this and leaving this in order to get to this. I'm sure it was the longest 20 miles of his life at that moment. But then he sees Jesus. And maybe, uh, maybe he stirred himself up in the spirit. Maybe he stirred himself up in faith. And when he finally saw Jesus, I, I'd imagine it's, it's so much more. I could imagine like there's no way for us to even be able to articulate and, and vocalize the conversation. Because I could imagine that that, that, that conversation of, of Jesus come to my house and heal my son is, is filled with so much emotion. It's filled with, with 20 miles of emotion and not just 20 miles of emotion. It's filled with a whole sickness of emotion and, and a timeline that we do not know about. There is a struggle that we do not know about. It is a sleepless nights of emotion. It is, it is long praying of emotion. It is talking to doctors and watching brokenness and death invade your house long. I'm sure there is enough emotion that when he finally sees Jesus, he comes to this place and he says, Jesus, just come to my house just to heal my son. It is, it is both faith and it is both doubt. It is both there in, in a positivity, but it is also there in the negativity. He is, he is feeling joy, but he is also feeling fear. We come to this place where he says this about Jesus, and you know what Jesus says to him? This is literally what Jesus says to him. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Well, that sounds pretty insulting. My kid is dying. You're going to make a little generalized statement. That's rude. Jesus is seeming to be real rude, but he, he knows what he's talking about. And the, the official says, sir, come down before my child dies. <coughs> the weight of those words, before my child dies. This is a race against time, and Jesus says, go. Your son will live. Jesus says, go, your son will live. What a ripoff. What a ripoff. 
I walk 20 miles, my kid's dying over here, and you say, go, your son's going to live? How do I know? Prove it. How do, you can't even, I walk 20 miles, you can't walk 10 miles, let's meet us halfway. You can't even, you can't even say more than three words to me. But something in this man resonated with that. I'm sure it's the spirit that had already been moving in the process as it is. And, and in that go, your son will live. The text says the man took Jesus at his word and departed. And I want to ask you, have you ever had into in your life, just take Jesus' word for it? Jesus' word that you are healed. Jesus' word that you are delivered. Jesus' word that you are, you are made whole. That you are, that you are going to have a better later than you did a former. Did you ever just have to take Jesus at his word? Where nothing made sense, but you just said, Jesus said we're going to do it. And I want to challenge you that in this moment, taking Jesus at his word, this man moved from just a different level of existing to a level of faith. Taking Jesus at his word. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't go and take, and didn't go and there was no proof in this moment. This man entered a different level in his relationship with God, his relationship with himself, and the relationship to the circumstance, he entered a level of faith. What is Hebrews 11.1? 1, what is faith? It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the evidence of things unseen. This man could not see that his son was alive. Could not see that, but he took Jesus' word for it. He had confidence in what he was hoping for. He was, had confidence in resurrection. He had confidence in healing. He had confidence in new life. And he allowed what, that hope to be the evidence of the things he did not see. So what's this man going to do in his life? And can I tell you, I, I hate this part. I hate this part. The man took Jesus at his word. And you know what? It's, I hate it because it's so simple. Like, it, as it, like as if those few words actually encompass everything that's involved with it. Take Jesus at his word. If you've ever taken Jesus at his word, you realize that there's a lot of anxiety that comes involved. There is a lot of fear. There is a lot of doubt. There is a lot of questioning. There is a questioning. You know in your mind, I know what Jesus said. I know what he said in my head, but I don't feel it in my heart. This is a process that nobody talks about. You want to go either, I don't believe anything you say. I want to, I'll follow my heart. I don't believe anything that Jesus says. Or you want to be completely on the other spectrum of, I 100% believe what Jesus has said in my life. But you find yourself in taking Jesus at his word in the pendulum swing of mind and emotion, feeling and doubt. You find yourself in this place of having to walk it out, having to battle your mind, having to to battle your heart all at the same time. 
This is what this man was left with. He was left with a word. He was left with a promise of healing that he did not see in that moment. So what happens? He's got to go on a journey. There's a process in his life. He has to walk out a process in his life. Now this man has to walk back 20 miles. And I ask you again, have you ever had to walk in the agony of the unknown? Have you ever had to walk in the agony of the unknown? This agony is very different than the one when he was first coming. Now this, he's got a sense of hope within it. But guess what? This is agony just as much. And I'm going to make this man human. I'm sure he was superhuman. I'm sure he's the, a hero of the faith, of being able to walk away and never doubt. But can you imagine 20 miles? 20 miles he has to walk. And I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but have you ever walked in the agony of the unknown? You know when you have a long distance from one location to another, you have left the one location and need to get to the next point. And you're trying just to walk, but everything inside of you is trying to run. You are trying to keep your calm. You are trying to keep your cool. Your calves are starting to hurt because you are walking so fast and walking with such intensity. But yet you are still trying to be maintained and you are still trying to be cool. It is an anxious moment, a place of anxiety. It's a place where your, your heart is racing, but your mind is going faster. This man had a 20-mile walk. Have you ever been in the place of agony of the unknown, knowing what Jesus said, but not knowing if it will ever come to pass? All you have to hold on to is trusting and believing and taking Jesus at his word. This man had to walk out a process and a journey in order to see the fruition of what this man, Jesus, had said. Now imagine the walk. Now imagine this walk. I'm sure moments in there would be like, yes, he's healed. My son's healed. I'm sure he got a little pep in his step at, at some points. But then all of a sudden, the agony of the unknown turns around and it goes, I should have brought Jesus. Just in case, just in case, just in case he's not, just in case he's sick, just in case he's not alive, I should have, should have brought him. Not a second later going, yeah, God had healed him, Jesus healed him, the Messiah has healed him, he is who he says he is, my son is alive right now, but then in a split second, going, my son is dead. My son is dead. It's the agony of the unknown. The agony of, I am going to be made healed and be made whole. Thank you, Jesus, that I am healed. Thank you that I am restored. But in the same moment, getting a gut punch of emotion in you that says, nope, we're not going to make it. And then all of a sudden, our text says, the servant, or this man's servant, met him with the news that his boy was living.
is met with this servant that said, your boy is living. And he, he continues on. I'm sure this is an exciting moment. It's an exciting moment for all of us. Finally, healing. Thank you, Jesus. I finally get to see it. It's finally true. I'm not just holding on to a word, but it is true in my life. And then he inquires and goes, what time did my son get better? And he said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And he realized at one in the afternoon yesterday is when Jesus said that boy was healed. And I'm sure the servant didn't just take a couple minutes and go, let me get my shoes on, let me get some food. He went the exact moment that boy was healed. As, as Jesus said to him, go and go home to your son that is alive, the servant was running and going to get the, the, the master, his master, and the, the royal official in the same capacity. So as this man was walking in faith, someone was running with the evidence of what he was now going to see. At the same time, as this man was turning and beginning to walk his journey of faith, somebody was running with the evidence of now the things that were going to be seen. This man's faith was now made complete. And I want to encourage you, I want to encourage me, that Jesus has said, you are healed. You are freed. You are delivered. You are made the righteousness of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a child of God. You are the head and not beneath. You are in perfect peace. You are called. You are chosen. You are destined. And at that same moment, the same moment, he is releasing angels. He's releasing purpose. He's releasing destiny that on the other side, as we are walking it out, one day we are going to be met with the evidence of the things that we had to have faith for. Today, I want to tell you, take Jesus at his word. Take Jesus at his word. I know it would have been easy just to stay home and stay in the mess, but if he would have stayed, that boy would have died. He walked the place of faith and he was walking back in faith. And I want to encourage you, it doesn't matter what you are going through right now. It does not matter what you are going through. It does not matter that your mind and your heart are waging war worse than you probably ever have in your entire life. Jesus has given you a word and hold on to it because you are about to see the evidence of what you had to have faith for. You will see the evidence of the very thing you are in turmoil for and walking in the agony of the unknown because here's the thing, we are not walking in the agony of the unknown. We are walking in the tension of seeing heaven and earth meet and collide with one another. I am not walking in the agony of the unknown because I have taken Jesus at his word and his word is truth. His word prevails. His word is bigger and better than the process and the hardship that I have to go through. And do not discredit it. Do not discredit. I do not discredit and invalidate the hardship and the difficulty of walking the road of faith. 
But do not let your doubt and your fear and the agony of the unknown encompass you so much that you lose sight and let go of the very words of Jesus on your life. Hold on. Hold on. Keep walking in faith. Keep walking. Because guess what? You only have to walk, but he's sending someone that's running. You may be doing good enough just to walk in faith. But he's sending someone that is running towards you. It's hard. Just in, any, let's acknowledge anyone else in the turmoil of mind and heart, emotions and mind, going through truth, going through emotion, the hardship of it. Let's just acknowledge it. Like going through, going through. We've been there. We are, we are there. It's been hard in life. It's hard. And these words, these words are so cheap. I understand how to encompass a lifetime of difficulty in, in 20 minutes. How do you truly express the emotions that are involved in this story? They're impossible. You ever try to have so much emotion with inside of you that you try to explain it, but you really just can't explain it? Because there's so much inside of you that, that if you try to explain it, you're going to miss something out, but you don't want to miss it out because it's imperative. You can never give them a full glimpse. This is this experience. And this man held on to Jesus' words. This man walked in faith as somebody was running with his evidence of what he now had to see. So we will stand with me tonight. Life is hard. Can I just say that? Like, life is hard, hard. Life's hard. <coughs> it's difficult. Doing the hard thing is difficult. Sometimes it's so much easier just to do the easy thing. Like, you know, be like everybody else. How many people just don't do the hard thing in life? It's because they want to feel comfort. And, and let me tell you, life has great moments, have beautiful moments. Life has laughter. Life has joy. Life has those fun moments, those corn mazes, those late night talks. Life has great moments. But life also has really hard moments. Life has death involved with it. Life has grief involved with it. Life has brokenness involved with it. Life has, has breakups involved with it. Life has all of these things that are involved with it. And so often, we want to just stuff away the bad because we don't want to have to deal with it. We want to stuff away the bad because that's not fun. But let me tell you, experiencing and feeling the bad is just as much of a sign of being alive as experiencing the good. And sometimes we just have to take Jesus at his word that it's going to get better. 
Because we don't just have a hope based in life. We have a hope that's based in eternity. My life, your life, our life may never get better. But that moment in a twinkle of an eye, our eternity is changed. And we walk in perfect peace. We walk in perfect healing. Our, our minds are perfect. Our spirits are perfect. Our emotions are perfect. Don't allow yourself to find a cheap fix for something only God has to offer. A relationship's not going to fix it. Your boy's not going to fix it. Your girl's not going to fix it. All of that's fleeting. Do you know who's going to fix the brokenness inside of you? Jesus will. Jesus will 100% of the time. Because that's his word. So walk through the hard thing. Walk in faith. Do the hard thing. Walk in faith. Walk in faith. Because there's somebody that is running with evidence of the hope that you have. So let's take a moment and pray. God, we just thank you for your spirit today. God, we thank you that your spirit gets us going and keeps us going and, and continues us going. And Lord, a lot of us in this room have a lot of feelings, have a lot of emotions, have a lot of experiences in life, Lord. And God, all of us in this room have experienced heartbreak to, to certain extents and brokenness and grief and loss to a variety of different extents, but it's all real and it's all, it's all valid before your sight. And so God, we just, we just tell you and we just are honest and we just say, God, sometimes life sucks. God, and sometimes life is hard, but God, we come in and we exchange our doubt and our fear for faith, and we take you at your word. And God, I pray that you would empower us. Holy Spirit, that you would empower us, that when the, the waging of, of doubt and the, the loudness of doubt come into our hearts and our minds, Lord, I pray, God, that you would come in and that you would rest our soul, that you would rest our mind to let us be able to hold on to your word just a little bit more. And God, we hold on to your word that on the other side, someone is coming with deliverance. Coming with the, the testimony and the evidence of true and whole deliverance in our life. And Holy Spirit, tonight we just thank you for life. God, we just thank you for life today. God, that in, in the midst of hardship and difficulty, it is so easy for us to feel smothered and suffocated, God. And it is so easy for us to want to dim the lights on life. But God, I just thank you for life today, God. And I thank you that life has the good and it has the bad and it has everything in between, God. God, we thank you for life today. We thank you for the ability to keep on living. 
And God, I pray that you would continue to strengthen our hearts and our minds, Lord. God, help us to trust you. Help us to root ourselves in you. Not the things that are temporary, not the things that are superficial, but Lord, help us to root ourselves in truth. Help us to root ourselves in your word, God. God, and as we are continuing to walk and walk in faith, Lord, we know that we are getting closer and closer to seeing the very evidence of our prayers, the very evidence of our faith, Lord. God, so I pray that you continue to build the anticipation, continue to build the anticipation inside of us as we are walking in faith. Help us to walk in anticipation that we are going to see what you have proclaimed to come to pass in our life, Jesus. God, and we surrender to you the process. Keep our hearts, our minds, and our spirits, Lord. And God, let us see a victory in you. In Jesus' name we pray.